Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next guest on Face to Face is Brett Gaylor. He's a returning guest, but but also a, a returning filmmaker. He's a he's a producer. He's a director, writer, and a, a creative voice. It seems to me talking about things that not everyone is willing to peel uh, the layers back on. His new film, uh, Discriminator. Uh, you can not only find out more about it, but you can watch it actually. Discriminator film and it's 15 minutes long and it's going to be 15 minutes well spent we talk about facial recognition software and facial recognition databases we talk about something called machine learning and 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 something uh about uh, uh, re the remix culture how's that uh, creativity is as serendipitous and the 100 million database make a face challenge what are what are these things called data sets and how do they affect human rights and digital ethics and and where do laws and guidelines and 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 where do these these rules kind of cross over and maybe kind of fall apart uh, uh, around us we we talk about the uses for some of this uh, technology that we really at this point in time can't even imagine and that uh, you know the the stuff of science fiction we talk about how the context has shifted and and the unlawful use of of technology the quantification of humans is something that that comes up as well and of course the the pros and the cons and so on we talk about automated decision making and i had just such a great time with brett and i think you're gonna you're gonna love the conversation and and the interview Uh, i hope you love the interview but the film is really it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's entertaining. And, and you kind of, it's one of those pieces where you step back at doc film and you say, wow, if even just some of this is true, boy, are we in, in deep trouble? We talk about uh, the legislative solutions to, to this and what does it mean for privacy and, 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 and something really uh, cool that I think other filmmakers and artists will, will appreciate uh, the form in in the narrative you can find out more about brett brett gaylor that's g-a-y-l-o-r.com uh, also impostormedia.com more about uh, what brett is up to but the film is discriminator as it's i was gonna say as it sounds discriminator as it's spelled i suppose uh, dot 
F-I-L-M dot film. So check it out. Uh, coming right up, Brett Geller uh, in, uh, whoa, seconds, I think. But don't forget, davidpecklive.com for more information about my uh, writing, uh, my public speaking, and also my podcasting. You can find um, all of the episodes of a face-to-face live there. And, you know, pretty excited about uh, what's coming up around the corner, the Toronto International Film Festival. A hybrid model this year, about 100 films, and I'm not going to be interviewing all those uh, filmmakers and directors, but I am going to be digging in with a few of them already looking pretty interesting, and that's up and coming around the corner. And if you are enjoying what's happening here on Face to Face and you listen on a regular basis, please take a, a little bit of time. It's so appreciated and leave a review for us. There's actually a link on my site that will get you there pretty quickly. You can do that on iTunes. We would so appreciate that. Uh, like us on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Those kinds of things go a long way. And of course, sign up for the newsletter. We only send out about five or six of those a year. And, uh, you know, socially mediate us, share it with family and friends. Again, we'd really appreciate that. Getting word on the street is, uh, getting word on the digital street is, is wow, it's just so important to, to you know, getting out there, as it were. So especially uh, uh, in this uh, COVID-like era we find ourselves in. So uh, davidpecklive.com, uh, ch- check it out there. Uh, and uh, Brett Gaylor coming coming right up. Uh, fascinating conversation. We had a lot of fun too. And uh, the film is called Discriminator. And check it out, discriminator.film. But uh, stay tuned for my interview on Face to Face with Brett Gaylor coming right up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a returning special guest. We've got Brett Gaylor here with us today, uh, calling in from uh, the West Coast, I believe. Uh, Brett, thanks for joining us here today on Face to Face. Thanks, David. Yeah, it's great to be here. Nice to have you back. The Internet of Everything. So, so really quickly, what's uh, what's changed <laughs> since since our last conversation? And by the way, uh, folks, it's uh, the film we're talking about though is is Discriminator Discriminator dot film uh, Brett Gaylor dot com and impostormedia.com. So you got your homework cut out for you if you're listening in. But do check out uh, Brett's work. And we chatted about Brett. Is it about a year ago now? Yeah, I released the Internet of Everything. Yeah, March, tell us a little bit about that. March uh, 2020. So not much was going on in March 2020. Uh, slow news year. Um, I guess my sarcasm isn't translating. <laughs> That's right. Over the, That's right. <laughs> the, the algorithm is not picking it up. Yeah, That's, the we, algorithm's <laughs> just not working today, clearly, Brett. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it was about ubiquitous computing and uh the internet sort of moving off of screens and into all of our devices, you know, the internet of things. So we call it the internet of everything. And we released it during a pandemic uh, on CBC, um, which was actually not a bad, it, it, it was interesting because it was like this week where everybody couldn't leave their house and was on the internet 24 seven. So a documentary right, right. about the internet and how it was sort of a, uh, ubiquitous and needed to be thought of more like, um, you know, electricity or water or just things that's, that we need in order to sort of operate the society that we've built. Um, so, so that was resonant. It was a film that it was also concerned about some of the things that were happening around about the internet in terms of, you know, centralization and the big platforms and the sort of privacy implications, the things like that. And 
those also became quite a, a bit more present and obvious for people, you know, like when you, when you completely depend on something for all of your information and going mm. to school and, you know, uh, going to the doctor and educating your kids, you realize like, ah, maybe, maybe that should be thought of as a public resource and not something that, you know, uh, that a company can sort of capriciously change the rules on overnight. Um, so that was, yeah, that was internet of everything was a couple of years, uh, in the making. And then like everybody else, I went into my basement and, uh, with my family and sort of hunkered down and, um, and then discriminator came along, which is a film about facial recognition databases. So I discovered, that these photos that I had uploaded uh, years ago, like almost 10 years ago, um, had been gathered up by, into these very large facial recognition databases. So they were um, included in these collections of photos that computer science researchers were using to train uh, artificial intelligence systems to how how to recognize a human face so you, right. you know just, just like all artificial intelligence or just like all machine learning systems to be more specific um you know they, they they learn to pick up a pattern so you show it a bunch of data and then it, it figures out the similarities between those that data um sorry i'm like about to like completely just do the movie in front of you right now <laughs> that's, that's right yeah <laughs> no one's gonna have to watch the movie brett yeah, yeah. yeah I'll just can you just get can you get us to the three minute mark and then maybe we can get back to the interview is that does that work <laughs> sure <laughs> maybe hey hey i think the sarcastic algorithm is kicked back in for some reason <laughs> there you go so so just before we shift i mean that's great and it's so interesting it's fascinating i mean ubiquitous for sure i want to talk about that machine learning what pray tell does that even mean you know but but hey, where can people see Internet of Everything before we step into a, this bigger conversation about your new film? Yeah, um, it is. Uh, if you are in Canada, it's on uh, CBC Gem. You can watch it for free on Gem. And cool. if you are in the U.S., it's on Amazon Prime. And everywhere else in the world is probably a different story, depending on. It actually sold pretty well. So uh, you could probably turn on TV at the right time and, and watch it or um on youtube i think it was so it, it, it's available in some countries on youtube cool okay well that's excellent so clearly uh the internet of everything is is working out for you yeah it it, it was in, in some ways it's a similar film to discriminate right that, right it's a similar things yeah the, i had made a film in 2008 called rip a uh, remix manifesto that was kind of a celebration of what was going on in the internet at that time. And then, um, with do not track in 2015, sort of having a second look at the systems that we built. And then, you know, since 2019 or so, um, I've been trying to process living in the dystopia that we've created online. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so so let's so by the way congratulations on the film uh really loved it uh it's by the way folks it's it's 15 minutes long it's it's super interactive in in a, in an almost creepy kind of v for vendetta way um but you you you, you got to check it out um, and again discriminator.film is where you can where you can see this um 
Brett, I think it's really interesting that just yesterday I read an article about, uh, uh, here's the headline, private moments captured on home security cameras being live streamed again on website. I think it's just remarkable that the, you know, the day after I read this article, you and I are talking essentially about ubiquity, I suppose, media, uh, uh, facial recognition, and, and frankly, privacy. Can you, can you kind of, I mean, it's only a 15 minute film, but can you unpack a little bit of that for us? And then I want to talk about Noam Chomsky, Darren Aronofsky and manufacturing consent, but that's, uh, that, that's going to maybe need to be a, a second podcast, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, Basically, in, in Discriminator, as I was mentioning earlier, it, it kind of charts how I discovered how these photos were used. And so in the early kind of early 2000s, mid 2000s, um, people were just starting to get used to uploading their private moments to the Internet. And so Flickr was right. actually one of the first social networks, um, the photo sharing site. And I was a big user of that site. You know, you would, you had your digital camera, which was kind of new. You would go right. out, you, you, you would take pictures with your friends or your family, and you would upload those to share them, right? To, so that they could, uh, you know, vi you view your photos without being in the same room as you. It was kind of a big deal, and it still is amazing, and that we take it for granted. Um, and the other thing that Flickr allowed you to do was to put what, it's called a Creative Commons license on that photo. And so that means that um, other people can download that photo uh, and they can also um, use that photo for a use that you didn't anticipate, right? And, and that was also kind of uh, something at the time that was thought of as a way to kind of build a new public domain that didn't have a lot of the rules of the past um, the way that copyright was um, being protected for big movies and songs. Right. And that was, that was sort of getting in the way of this remix culture that was, you know, being celebrated uh, by myself and others at that time. So the idea was, you know, let, let's build something new where we're kind of, you know, being sort of radically open and we're sharing. And, you know, what I thought would happen with those photos with somebody would like, oh, you know, I had taken a photo of this building and they wanted to talk about this building in their podcast or their, uh, you know, their blog. And so they could use my photo without asking permission or they'd make a collage or who knew, right? Like that was the whole idea. Yeah, no, like, for sure. Who, who knows what's going to happen? The creativity is like that. It's very serendipitous. Um, but what also happened uh, was that Flickr was purchased by Yahoo and then Yahoo built a sort of department of, uh, computer scientists who realized that all these photos that had been uploaded in this fashion uh, were solving this problem that computer science researchers were beginning to encounter, which was that they couldn't train computers to recognize uh, images in the way that they wanted because there wasn't enough images that they could get a hold of. You need, you know, millions of images to to be able to get a, a computer to have the, the accuracy that's required for one of these computer vision systems. And so, you know, it's a really practical problem if you're this computer science researcher because, you know, I, I can't pay for all those, those images that would make me bankrupt. I can't, I can't ask a million people if I can use their photo. It's just practically impossible. Um, 
what if there was this library that had been created by people who were uploading these photos and who had sort of already said that you can do whatever you want with them? And so Flickr um, created what was called the, the YFCC 100M, which is the Yahoo Flickr Creative Commons 100 million database, which was, and I think still is, the largest collection of um, images ever. That's a lot of photos. It is. 100 million is a lot of photos, right? And so if you're, if you're a computer scientist and you want to say like, hey, I want to teach a computer to recognize a bird or I want to you know, recognize a house or a car or whatever, it's perfect, right? You just, and, and they even, I think they even annotated all these, these photos. And so that, that was going on. I had no idea that was going on. Um, at the same time, the University of Washington took that entire 100 million photos and then they made a subset of that database that was just faces and right. that was called mega face right uh, which which is like a really original and amazing name guys like i just kudos to you um and, and so that database was placed online and they let basically anybody that wanted download these these faces i think it was like five million faces and the idea was that they would be, they would run a contest to see who could build the best system for recognizing faces. And so, like, Google got in on it. Uh, all, you know, every all, all the companies that you'd be familiar with, like the Facebook, Google, Microsoft, sure, sure. All, all of them did it. But then all these other companies that you've never heard of. Uh, that you, 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 you've heard of now, like Huawei and Tencent and ByteDance who make TikTok um, or, you know, um, Clearview AI that the RCMP recently, uh, you know, were found to have used illegally here in Canada. All these companies downloaded this database to, to, to solve that problem that I just mentioned. They're like, oh, perfect. This, is, this will allow us to build facial recognition systems. Um, so, Brett, Brett, so the is your, and I don't even know if this is right, I was going to say, is your beef with the computer scientists, would you say? I mean, it, it's just interesting because you don't, you just kind of present this for us to, 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 to see its new information for sure. I, I, I learned mm -hmm. quite a bit from Discriminator, which I think is amazing. And so many of us just, I don't know, uh, gleefully accept some of these forms that we give permission to, the things we consent to. So I'm, I'm really interested where you come from, I guess, philosophically, I suppose. Is, is it about consent? Is it about permission? Is it about corporate, I guess, uh, uh, not sensibilities, but that corporate drive for more, you know? Mm -hmm. or, or is it all of those things? Yeah, I think it's all those things. And I don't mean that's not a cop-out. The reason that I'm not... You know, I'm trying to be, um, I, I'm trying to give the audience credit and, and to, to sort of work through that dilemma on their own because yeah, sure. um, the, these are, you know, we're sort of living through the moment when we're trying to, we're wrestling with these big questions about what is appropriate. And, you know, so consent is really important here. But the thing is about these big data systems is that the harm that they cause often happens many years down the road. The right. harm is hard to articulate, right? So I, right, of course, yeah. uh, so in my case, I posted all these photos of my, myself, my friends, and my family, and they were used to build a facial recognition system that is now, you know, 
able to spot a Uyghur Muslim on the streets of Xinjiang and do, you know, and then God knows what happens with that information, right? And I would not have consented to that. I would have said like, hey, you know, I, I, no, I don't, I don't want you to do that with with my photo. But right, would have, so so I'm okay with you using this to a certain point. But hey, hang on a minute here. This has human rights implications, legal implications. Just there's it, just so much, right? I, what I you used a word earlier, Brett, that I find fascinating and, and interesting is you were celebrating this at one point. That celebration turned to hang on a minute here. This this is just you, you. You're not a moralist, but you said you guys have crossed a line. But it's impossible to know what that line will be. So the problem with the consent that you described earlier is that how could I possibly give consent to a use that I don't know is possible in the future? And so that, 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 that's the... Well, you can um, time travel though, Brett, can't you? Well, right, you can't. So you can't time travel. So what you need to do instead, and this is the long way of answering your question, is you society needs to, and legislatures and and judges and civil society, everybody needs to basically make some bright lines around certain uses that are off limits. And so this is this has started to happen with facial recognition technology because in, in large part because you know activists of color predominantly have one of the things that they've pointed out is these systems don't work the same way for people of color as they do, for white people. Um, and often that's because the training data sets are, you know, early adopter white dudes like Brett Gaylor. Um, and so that if you build a system like to recognize humans that's based predominantly on white guys, well, then you've just built a system that knows how to see white guys, right? You haven't built a facial recognition. White guys on their honeymoon. Right? White guys on their honeymoon. And so um, <laughs> what you need to do, so we, we have to have some laws on the, some guidelines that are basically say these are the th- these are the uses that we, we wouldn't we won't allow so face facial recognition for instance right right um, m- maybe generally as a technology should not be allowed because we we might say like society is not in a place where um seeing somebody's face and identifying somebody's face ha- has no negative implications we're not there yet we know that um, racism exists. We know that misogyny exists. We know we know uh, ageism exists. All the things that these technologies are built to spot um, have negative implications. So you you could say. So that there, so, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say. So so is there a way? Do you think to, and you know the cats out? Of, what do they say? Um, what's out of the bag? Is it toothpaste? What's cats, that? What's that cliche? Know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, whatever. Can of worms. Yeah. Is is you know is there a way to dial this back? John Stewart, I, I saw interviewed recently on Colbert, and and he was talking about uh, you know of course COVID and so on, and he went on off on a bit of a rant, but he talked a little bit about science. <laughs> it was pretty funny. He was like, you know, hang on, we got to we got to talk to these scientists. You know, they just they just want to know. Like they're just they're just doing this because they can, and mm-hmm. they're not really thinking about those you know long term ethical implications. So I guess that's my question earlier about you know is it the computer scientists we need to talk to to say hey guys you need to be looking out for us here. Yes, like, uh, I mean uh, yeah, this is great, right? But that's not that's not um, the 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 cat can be shoved back in the toothpaste tube here because the the 
we have that. We, we, we know, for instance, that you're not allowed to test medicine on humans. You know, you can't just like sprinkle right. a virus on somebody <laughs> and say like, oh, does this, you know, is this going to give them cancer or whatever? So we, be, because, you know, at s- some point in the dark ages, people were doing that. And, and then people said, whoa, whoa, whoa stop, stop scientists that, that we, we don't want that. And we, you know, we have laws around nuclear non-proliferation. We have things that you were allowed to do with cars and not to do with cars. We have, you know, um, the certain rights of uh, privacy and all those things, and what's what's happening now is those are beginning to intersect with our capacity mm. to build to build technology. So, and and in the inter- the realm of the internet, and this is sort of what the Internet of Everything was about. It used to be considered this sort of external technology. We we thought of it in, in much the same way that we th- would think about you know television or or or, or what you, you know. Um, we're realizing now that it is something that changes the dynamics of society in a more fundamental way. Um, and the sort of information technology has these sort of sp- special characteristics where they can, you know, they can influence an election. They can uh, completely well, change the norms around yeah. privacy. They can, they can do all the, these things. And so we need to be able to say, you know, here are some useful guidelines for, you computer scientist when you were developing technology. And so we, we are starting to see that, you know, with like the general sure, data sure. protection regulation in Europe, you know, there's, there's lots of things, there's lots of things you can't do now that you used to be able to do. Uh, like when I was making do not track, for example, there's, there's things that you can't do when you collect data, there's consent that you have to proactively um, get there's, a, a, there's a lot more uh, scrutiny and, um, you know, sort of public pressure around digital rights. Um, facial recognition, I think, is is still something that um, you know folks are less familiar with. They sure, m- yeah. But uh, having said that, um, you know, many of us encounter it quite regularly, um, whether we're aware of it or not. So, you know, as was the case. Well, look with- at Brad. Look at the. Look at the the homepage of CBC, and I'm sure it's elsewhere. Uh, uh, you know, on on new, you know your your favorite news page, where wherever you read your your uh, your updates. But this idea that it's not illegal to show these videos that uh, apparently some of these Russian websites are taking of, of of images of people around the world showing video. So it's not illegal to do that. So it sounds to me like you know, wow, we we got a long way to go. I mean, the implications are, for, you know, I got to say a little shout out, by the way, folks, the film's Discriminator, uh, discriminator.film. You got to check it out. It's 15 minutes long. It's it's fun. It's disturbing. Uh, by the way, uh, Brett, it reminded me a ton of, of Darren Aronofsky's film, Pi. Love to chat about that with you as well. But but this idea that, that you know, that there's a se- sequence in your film where you, you you use some animation to show the different companies that had access to your photos, you know, your mm-hmm. honeymoon photos, your photos of your kids and so on. That that's really disturbing to me that it, it, you just go, well, hang on a minute here. We've, we've crossed more than one line. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you use the word creepy earlier and that's oftentimes people use that word when they describe, you know, um, a use of their image or their data that they didn't, imagine was going to happen and so uh when you look into sort of the literature around privacy what you find is that when people are disturbed it's because the context in which they shared 
something has moved to a, a, a different mm -hmm. context. So, you know, in my case, I shared these photos because I wanted my friends and family to be able to access them, or maybe some artist or other podcast, you know, person to be able to, to build, to do some creative work with. I didn't anticipate that they would be used in a, by a new audience. So like computer science researchers right. and in a different, um, like in a different sort of mechanism, which was this, you know, artificial intelligence analyzing them or like, you know, <clears throat> a mil military contractor right. uh, in, in <laughs> China, China or Russia. Yeah. I, just, I, I just, that yeah. wasn't on my radar. Right. And so the, I didn't the, know that, my honeymoon photos were going to be used to design missiles. I had no like, idea. What? Right. And again, <laughs> yeah, I, that would have been impossible for me to, to yeah, of course. To know. And so that's, and then that's a really, hard sort of philosophical thing to get your your head around and you, you mentioned before like oh yeah that uh you know it's weird that your your photos were used by these <clears throat> excuse me by all these companies well we're sort of all kind of become used to that and cynical about that right like oh, of course google and facebook know everything about me because i get right. it to We've them. taken a kind of a whatever approach yeah but then there's these there's moments where um, it still feels, you know, that C word that still feels creepy. And that's because yeah. it's like when, when, when these, when data sort of jumps these, these lines and jumps the, these contexts. And so that's, a, that's something that you can for sure legislate around, right? It's like, what, what, what did this person give consent to? Um, and then there's the other thing, which is like just sort of lo laws around um, unlawful use of, of technology and, and and that's more like uh what's the what's the potential harm that can be caused by this and and so and, and in the case of facial recognition there's this long history of you know that goes back to sort of eugenics and the way that you know sure. the, the intersection yep. of uh you know the face and race and being able to sort of quantify uh, a human in that way because you know race is actually a social construct right we we are not that's not a real thing that we're like different uh species than you know based on what we would sort of quote unquote call call race that that's been invented and usually when it's invented it's invented for the purpose of you know um setting up one of those races as superior to the other one and so anytime that there's a technology that's sort of codifying that and making that something that just automatically happens when a you know a camera and an algorithm and a piece of software looks at a human that should have a lot of eyes on it and and it, and it should maybe it shouldn't even exist right in the same way that like if you know david if you were like hey i i just invented these x-ray goggles it's amazing you can put them on you can walk down the street and and you can see you know people without their clothes on like there's no way that you'd be able to bring that to market, right? Because it would come up against, you know, our norms and probably laws around people's rights to, to privacy of their body. And because we, we can think of all kinds of reasons why that's not a good thing. You know, imagine somebody using those glasses to look at your kids, you know, we don't have that sort of same set of, um, you know, understanding and sort of clear rejection of a technology when it comes to a lot of digital technology because of that thing that I keep repeating, which is that the harm often happens in the future. It's like way down the line and, and a thing that we couldn't predict. So how do you 
how do you deal with that uh, in the in the digital realm? And that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to play with. Well, it makes you know. Brett, I, I, by the way, I think you should be teaching a philosophy of media studies or, or it's, you know, codified technology. Again, we got to chat about Chomsky here in, in a second. But by the way, I used to collect comics and I'm old enough to know uh, that, and maybe you are too, but in the back page, you could you could send like a buck 25 away and get things. Those x-ray glasses did exist at one time, Brett. <laughs> they, exa- they existed in our childhood um, realities. Um, That's right. Do you remember? Do you remember those ads? Those yes. crazy. I, I actually remember ordering um, sea monkeys and yep. and and some magic tricks. You know. Um, in fact, I probably have some of those comics downstairs. Anyway, no, for sure, right? And I think it, what it made me think of is you know the 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 Universal Declaration of Human Rights because mm-hmm. we're talking about human rights here. And you know, when when we start talking about things like sexism and racism and the timing of your film, I think it's just so. Uh, uh, prescient and, and, and necessary. I mean, it's not only is it a conversation we need to have, we need to be acting practically about it. It's almost like we need to sort of rise up against this to some degree. You know, uh, I mean, look, Brett, I, I downloaded a, a, a meditation software recently, and I think I had to give access to this thing to my photos. Yeah. Like, what, what's going on? Like, wh- where does it stop? You know, where, where, where does this end? Anyway, back to the, the, you know, the, the UN, do we need a declaration, you know, of technological human rights to start sort of making these foundational statements and building, you know, sort of from the ground up? Does that even make sense? I mean, maybe it, that's crazy talk, but, but it sounds to me like it's, it's, it, it's sort of moving in that direction. Well, I mean, we do, the UN dec- does have uh, a universal right to privacy. I mean, that is, that is, has already been stated and, uh, and countries have agreed to it. Um, again, it's like, how do you then, um, interpret that within, uh, hundred percent. Cause you gave, Hey, by the way, you gave me access to use your honeymoon photos. Didn't, didn't you know? Right. So you, you waived your rights to privacy. Right. But, but to your point, exactly. It's like the informed, what's your last, what's your last line in the film? Something about, we, we never saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah, and that's about these YouTube, um, based, <laughs> Google essentially trained uh, this AI called DeepMind, which it acquired uh, some years ago. It 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 used the whole kind of corpus of YouTube videos, which is you know a lot of videos, to be able a lot to of videos recognize human movement. So um, now Google has the capacity to recognize when you were you know dancing or beatboxing or clapping or you know dodging or whatever you know like the entire panoply of things that we can do with our body and that's a it's another example of like well what could go wrong a lot (laughs) you know like um what if we what if there was a deployment of a technology that was trained to look for somebody that was you know quote unquote suspicious Right? And, what, and then what if that was, you know, sold and put into a doorbell camera that you put on your front door? Right. And, doorbell and any, cameras. I've seen more right? and more of them all the time. Right. And then so imagine that you, oh, what a great product. Uh, you know, it, it sort of senses if there's somebody that looks like they're not supposed to be there and they're into they maybe they've got a, you know, they got a hoodie on and they're, you know, they're skulking ar- around my porch. And then they're and wearing an ACDC t-shirt. And it automatically calls the police. Well, that's a that is that scenario is 
a real one uh, that, you know, uh, a young black man might, you know, just get the cops show up and that is a situation that could escalate all because he just, you know, he's delivering a package or he's, you know, or, or a, a newspaper, or he's just in the neighborhood and this sort of quote unquote, like, Oh, they're, they're not supposed to be there. Maybe because that database was trained on people that were predominantly white or looked a certain way. And then, you know, the, the, the AI extrapolates that this person is outside of that system. And so that's why we use the word discriminator, because that's what AI systems are. They're systems of discrimination. They, they say it like this, but not this, this, but not this. And it does right. that a million, million times a second and figures out, uh, you know, it, it figures out what something is by, sh- by proving that it's what it isn't. Right. And Brett, so. Brett, what? What one one of the opening lines in the in the film? Sorry to cut you off there, but one of the opening lines in the film, you know, you said my photo trained computers how to see, and I think isn't that what you're talking about? I mean, from from a discriminatory perspective, isn't that where it's real? We're really starting to talk about how how scary the potential for this is, or do the apologists for tech and AI say, "Hang on, we're getting better. We're going to be able to do this, 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 and this eventually." Yeah, I mean, I, I think that somebody might say that your photo also trained a computer how to detect, you know, child pornography and uh, or to look for missing persons or to, you know, uh, be able to detect um, skin cancer when it comes up. Right. Th- th- those are uses, but then that's back to this question of, you know, how do we set up guidelines for appropriate sure. uses of this yeah. technology yeah. and not? And I mean, what did like, I actually, and what did yeah. I actually agree to? Think of it like, like nuclear power. Okay. Uh, sh- nuclear power has, you know, atomic, <laughs> uh, you know, production um, can make terrible things happen. Um, but right now humanity has decided that there are certain uses where we feel that the, the, the benefits are uh, outweigh the drawbacks and we will regulate right, it right. very highly. Like you and me are not allowed to sort of set up a nuclear power plant. It's not allowed. You have to have a whole bunch of checks and balances to do that. Um, nuclear weapons are, you know, we're not supposed to make them at all. We have these international non-proliferation treaties. And so I'm not comparing facial recognition to nuclear technology to you know nuclear arms, but we, I am actually <laughs> because it it we we need to sort of set up uses that we that we think are pro social, um, and and think about ways to, where we would adjudicate that who would need to be looking at that, uh, and and people are realizing that anything that has an automated decision making system. Um, mm. should be thought of like cool. that. And so you're starting to see that, um, you know, the, yeah. the federal government in Canada does have, you know, for any, um, uh, it's early here. I can't remember the word for when uh, a government uh, procurement, uh, anytime that the federal government uses an AI system that has an automated decision-making, you have to show them how the algorithm works. You have to show them how that, that data, Interesting. What, what, what was the data behind so- it? What what could go wrong? You have to think those things through. Right. And so I think you will start to see that in yeah, there's different whole, jurisdictions. Just, there's, there's so much trust involved here, right? I mean, I think that's just evident on on, on so many levels. Uh, hey, 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 by the way, so you're you're not okay with owning a proton pack, having an unlicensed nuclear accelerator <laughs> on your back? Is that what I you're mean, saying? 
back in the early 2000s, I was all about it, but now I've realized that uh, there's some drawbacks. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, you know, sadly, Brett, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up in a couple of minutes here, and I mean, I don't want to oversimplify, and that's always the challenge when you have a short conversation about such a significant issue. And and I just I love the way you've dealt with it. And again, congratulations on the film. It's Discriminator, Discriminator dot film. You got to check it out. Tell Brett as we kind of wrap up here. So it's a bit of a digital mess we find ourselves in to some degree. There, there's absolutely there's pros. There's so many cons. How do you how do you stop from you know overreacting I suppose and 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 see those pros and 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 can and what can you do I mean you talk about on the website you talk about stop I'd love to hear a little bit about that too maybe as we wrap up this surveillance what is it surveillance technology oversight project mm-hmm. I don't know I'm looking for a little a few takeaways here for some of the listeners for you know on face to face but can, can you talk about that a bit I, I think it's really tempting to want to have um, a one thing that we can do right. to either protect ourselves or to stop this from happening. Um, and I think it's it's similar to sort of a climate change scenario where these are systemic mm-hmm. problems, and so they need sort of you know system change in order to to see them happen. So yes, for sure, you should. Th- that's why I made discriminator in a way that. Discriminator actually shows you, it, it activates your webcam and you'll see how these facial recognition systems work so that you can sort of be informed about that. But the solution to it does need to happen in legislatures and in courtrooms um, and around boardrooms um, and, and also in academia. Uh, we need to right. change, th- those systems need to be changed. And the only way that they are changed is when we have pressure from you know mm-hmm. an informed public but also sort of civil society actors so there's the surveillance technology Good. oversight project and they they operate in new york and and in the u.s in sort of overseeing this surveillance technology so what are the appropriate uses of you know body cams by police or camp you know official right. recognition systems uh, on the street or, or or online we need we need you know it's like the 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 the, the proliferation of groups that look out for the welfare of animals or the climate or, or, or the environment, all the, all that we, we need that in this space. So we need the electronic frontier foundations and the Mozilla's and the open medias here in Canada to, to sort of be pressuring legislations, legislators to, so that they, that they know how this impacts us as citizens so that they can create laws that sort of, um, give the appropriate boundaries for companies and for folks that are mm. developing this technologies about think these are the, the these are your bright lines okay because in absence of that there is going to be a lot of experimentation and there is going to yeah, be a sure. lot of folks trying to you know uh, build that proton pack and then oh shit, we just, <laughs> right. we, we just lost Winnipeg that's too bad you know um, yeah, that's right it, well that's kind of that was what John Stewart's sort of point was you know uh, uh, the last thing the world is gonna gonna hear from a scientist is it worked and yeah, then exactly. you know you know that's so funny um, well that's can, what happened here too about, right like there was a sure. uh, there was a contest literally a contest held to see who could build the most accurate planetary scale facial recognition system? It worked. And now we're, you know, and then they put these technologies on the streets of, of, of you know, Moscow. And now if you are um, 
you know, test positive for COVID-19 and you step outside of your apartment building, you get a knock on your door from, you know, f- from the, from the police without even, you know, like yeah. just automatically it's... from, from your face. And that you and I might think, well, that's great. Cause I don't want to catch COVID, but it doesn't take too much imagination to think, well, sure, what course. happens if I don't, you know, agree with the, the, the government that's in power or what if I'm, you know, considered somebody, that's a suspect just because of the way that I look. What if I'm a recent, rep, you know, what if I'm um, a recent immigrant, a Muslim man that's a refugee in Canada? Is, is Am I going to be, you know, uh, looked at with greater scrutiny? And then what is what are the snowball consequences right. of, the, of that scrutiny that we couldn't have anticipated when we, you know, uploaded that stupid honeymoon photo to, to Flickr? Well, so it's, what, it's I lo- that, what I love is yeah. you're, you're talking, you're talking about, dystopic science fiction really in a sense but hang on a minute a lot of it's arrived right you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about hal in 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 uh, 2001 and and uh, blade runner Ch- alfonso coran's children of men like the implications are deeply troubling yeah i mean science fiction right you know is always about the present right it's about extrapolations and i think that you know that that scene in Minority Report when uh, the advertising system sees your face, right. and says, like that yes. does exist, and that you know that that some of that was built using my honeymoon photos. I think Estee Lauder and another this one called Advertima that were that were built uh, using this. So that you know it's like the Gibson quote: "The future is already here; it's just not evenly distributed." And, and I think that the internet is sort of spreading those futures around to all sure. of us. Uh, and and, and well, we're sort of starting to feel that. Yeah, back 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 to your 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 comment about ubiquity and listen, I, I, I what what a, just had a blast to, to today, Brett. I, I I'm I'm hoping everyone gets to see your film. I really loved it. I love how it's interactive. It's fun. It's interesting. It's it's disturbing. It's it's everything you want in a good documentary. It seems to me. And and again, con- congratulations. So just to be clear for folks, it's discriminator. Dot film. Um, you can find out more about Brett and his work, brettgaylor.com. And Brett, help me out here. It's imposturemedia.com, correct? Yeah, that's a production company that has a couple links to other films that I mentioned, like Do Not Track and Internet of Everything. Amazing. Well, well, th- th- thanks so much for, for joining us here today on Face to Face. Really appreciate it. And, and uh, ho- hopefully we'll be chatting again soon. Thanks, David. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.